Well, good morning. As, uh, as you heard, I'm Jonathan Sigelko. Last Sunday, I was sitting right down there with my wife, and uh, I like it down there. <laughs> Maybe I could go sit down there right now. <laughs> I've appreciated all of our lay people, board members who have taken up the challenge and uh, stood up here in our absence of a, a preaching pastor to share God's Word. And I, I could say names, but I'll probably miss someone, and, and retired pastors who are stepping up. And I just want to say thank you very much. I know how stressful it can be. For those of you who don't know who I am or my history, um, I was a pastor for over 20 years, uh, preaching every Sunday in some churches, uh, morning and evening service, so two Sundays, uh, two services, leading Bible study, prayer meetings, youth, children's ministries, the things we used to do in small country churches. And my emotional and physical and, and mental health were being affected. Maybe burnout was coming. And God was gracious, gracious enough to lead me to a different work and a, a different form of ministry for which I was thankful. I was sitting down there a few Sundays ago in my, in my pew, and uh, God whispered in my mind, he said, if you were asked to preach over Christmas, would you do it? I thought about it a minute, and I said, well, sure because I wasn't expecting to be asked. <laughs> Not because they don't want to ask me, but because I've actually told them that uh, I'm really not looking for opportunities to preach because it's, it's very stressful for me. I hadn't been asked for a long time, so I, I figured it was safe. Well, wouldn't you know it, that week uh, I got an email and uh, there was Pastor Caleb saying, hello, Jonathan, I'm reaching out to see if you would be interested or available to preach at GPAC on January 2nd. And my heart literally just about jumped out of my chest. Um, I'm planning on being sick that day. <laughs> if I wasn't planning on being sick before, I am now. Uh, I told my wife that I'd been asked to preach and I didn't say anything. She didn't question me because she knew that, that would be difficult. And I replied to Caleb that I needed time to think about it. Uh, there must be someone with COVID I could go visit <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> anyway, a couple of days later, uh, my wife asked me if I had made a decision, and uh, I said, no, I was... Uh, and she said, well, I was thinking about it Today, and if you were to preach, I, I think you should preach from 2 Peter chapter 3 because that's something dealing with the second coming of Christ that I'm very passionate about. She probably wondered about me because I think my whole face blanched. And uh, because the previous night I'd been laying awake and, okay, what am I going to do? I have to give Caleb an answer. What would I preach on if, if I said yes? And God had said, 2 Peter chapter 3. I knew I was done. I didn't want to be swallowed by a whale or something like that. And so here we are, and 
My job for the next, and you've heard this before, I'm sure, but my job for the next 25 minutes or so is to talk, and your job is to listen, and I hope we end at the same time. <clears throat> After 61 New Year's that I have faced, and probably, to be more honest, probably the first 10 or so wouldn't count, but... So maybe 51 or so, I've never personally felt so much hopelessness or dread or despair or uncertainty as I, as I sense as we come to 2022. How's that for an opening line to a sermon? But it's not just to get your attention, it's, it's how the world seems to feel. It's how many times I've felt. Apparently, I'm not the only one. The, uh, the, I opened the December 30th edition of the Town and Country News, the little paper that goes out to the surrounding communities, and they had a, a comic in the, on the second page in there, and it, it was the door, 2022, with the door handle, and there was this little robot with this robotic arm on it, and it was you know, one of those things they send in if they think there's a bomb there and to, to dismantle it or to push it or you know, to, to see if it's going to explode. And it was reaching out to the door handle just to turn it slightly to see what would happen. I think many people feel that way. Maybe not all for the same reasons, maybe not for the same reasons I do, but, but I think many people feel that way. A couple of weeks ago, we had a, a, a Bethlehem visit, Bethlehem for our Sunday school. Uh, I help in Sunday school. I help with my wife as one of the teachers, and I appreciate it so much. Thank you for having your kids come to Sunday school. I'm just amazed at what they learn and what they go with. It's, it's so wonderful. But, but I was the innkeeper. And I had the sign on front, and it said, no vacancy. And I was told I had to be gruff and, you know, and why are you knocking on the door? Can't you see there's a no vacancy sign? Someone said to me, well, at least you fit right in the role. You didn't have to practice. <laughs> I won't say who said that. But uh, so one of the questions that we asked the kids as they came around no vacancy. You know, we had some grade one, twos. What does that even mean? And uh, one of the children piped up and says, no vaccination. <laughs> That's the world, 2022, that we're coming into. My family doctor told me in all his life, and he's about the same age as I am. I hope I'm right there, if he's listening. But... Uh, he told me in all his, his practice as a doctor, he had never prescribed so many antidepressants as he has this past year. Did you ever notice businesses, when there's new stores, it seems like two out of every three is either a cannabis store or a liquor store. We all see the empty businesses that have gone under these past year or so. We're told that 
inflation is coming, and first of all, it was temporary, and then it was transitory, and now it's becoming persistent, and, and it seems to be outpacing all the predictions as they keep giving us predictions. It seems like it's higher and higher and higher, and now we're being told that we're going to have to change our shopping patterns. We're going to have to change our eating habits. We're going to have to change our lifestyle because probably a lot of us aren't going to be able to afford it anymore. The last time inflation became that out of control, you remember the devastation it caused. Divorce. You know, in 15 years or so of, of being in the rental business, I have never seen the amount of people who are looking for a house because they are separating or, or divorcing. Friend's doctor said that the greatest percentage of referrals that they had in their medical practice was for young people transitioning to the opposite sex. Have you tried to watch any of the new TV shows lately? They are so filled with things that God destroyed whole civilizations for that we're not even watching them. I read that there's three major porn sites, and it's probably maybe in the U.S., but it's social media, so it's anywhere, that are now more popular and get more visits than Instagram, Wikipedia, Twitter, and Netflix. And then there's the state of the church. Family member from Ontario who said the churches are being torn apart because of disagreement over COVID responses. Researcher George Barna, who said that predicted a 30-30-30 for the church, that 30% of the people of the church after this is all over are just going to be gone. They're not coming back. 30% are deciding that they can stay home. Online church is all they need. 30% are continuing to carry on, and I guess the other 10% for you math wizards is just, you know, kind of a little bit of give and take. In our churches, we have something, I don't know if you've heard this word, it's called deconstructionism, where there are many people attacking the major tenets of the Christian faith, the nature and authority of the scriptures, of salvation, of sin, of hell, of end times, of sexuality and gender. And there are people who are prominent Christian leaders who are renouncing their faith and leading the charge. We call them, or they're called exvangelicals. And if it seems to you that I have no hope as we enter 2022, you would be wrong. Humanly speaking, that would be true, but I don't depend on human strength for my hope because I know the Almighty. The picture I saw a little while ago, it was on social media again, but I, it, it just ministered to my soul when I saw it. And if, if we could have... The Delta and the Omicron are no match for the Alpha and the Omega. The Alpha and Omega in Revelation, the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. Jesus used that as his name, and he said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty 
You know, as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking, you know, there was a lot of similarities between what I feel today and I think what was going on at that first Christmas. And yes, I know Christmas is behind us, but, but we're still in the Christmas season. The children of God, uh, the Israelites, in fact, most of the known world was facing great hardships. They were under Roman rule, and they were forced to do what they were ordered to do. They had no choice. You know, it wasn't a holiday that Mary and Joseph took to, to uh, go to Bethlehem. A 130-kilometer trip through the mountainous terrain of Jerusalem I'm not sure, husbands, if any of you have suggested that to your wife at nine months pregnant and what response you got. Because Roman Caesar, the Roman Caesar Augustus had decided that every person in the whole of the Roman world needed to go back to the town of their birth to be registered in a census, probably so that he could, uh, for taxation purposes or whatever else he wanted to use it for. It wasn't a request, it was, you had to do it. If you look in Acts 5, there's a story there of a couple of people, uh, it probably wasn't the same census, but uh, during that time, who, there was another census ordered by the Roman emperor at the time, and they decided they didn't want to do it, and they said no, and they started getting people together, and the scripture says they were slaughtered. It was rule by iron fist. There was great discord and disagreement amongst people. People of the Jewish faith, of the same faith. People of the same family. The the greatest event in the history of the world up until that time was about to happen. And no one had a clue. No one knew. No one even seemed to care. An angel had come down to the priest Zacharias in the temple while he was serving, and he had told him that his wife, who was old and was barren, was going to have a child. They would name him John, and that he would uh, be the one who would prepare the way for the Lord. Zacharias didn't believe him, and so he was struck mute, not able to talk. When he went out of there, I'm sure all his fellow priests believed him. I know they didn't because the scripture says in Luke 1.24 that after Elizabeth became pregnant, she went and hid herself for five months because she knew the embarrassment and the shame, and she knew that people would not believe their story. Can I use the word conspiracy? Mary and Joseph, you know the story. Mary was visited by an angel and told that she would be pregnant. It would be by the Holy Spirit. But Joseph didn't believe her, and he was going to divorce her or separate from her, break off the engagement. And then he too got a visit by an angel to persuade him. And so he accepted it as from God. But I'm sure that the rest of Mary and Joseph's family didn't see it that way. They didn't even bother to show up at the birth of this new grandchild of theirs because probably in their opinion, he was just a child being born into sin. And yet, unbeknownst to everyone, 
These events were leading to the greatest event in the history of the world up until that time. The first advent, the coming of the Savior into the world. And then if that wasn't enough, about a year and a half to two years later, some wise men came. We often think it was right because that's how we portray it, right at at Bethlehem, but during when Jesus was born. But it was a couple of years later. And they went to Jerusalem and they said, we've seen a vision. God has told us that the king of the Jews has been born. Where is he? And the Bible says that uh, in Matthew 2, that all of the city was disturbed. What kind of crazy story is this that you've come into Jerusalem spreading? You know what happened as a result of that. Herod got worried. He didn't know whether it was true or not, but he didn't want any competition. And so he made a rule that all the children two years old and under from the time when the wise men had said that Jesus was probably born in and around Bethlehem were all to be slaughtered. Do you think people were happy with Mary and Joseph and the wise men? It was their fault that their precious babies had been killed. And yet the greatest event in the history of the world up until that time was happening. Now let's fast forward 2,000 years or so to 2022. We're going to read 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. I'm going to read it. You can follow along. I invite you to stand as we read God's Word together. Peter says, and I'm reading from the New King James, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminders, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us and the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, the scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep and things, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord... One day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. As a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. 
Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace, without spot and blameless. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. The passage that we read is talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Bible is filled with promises of Jesus Christ that he will one day return to earth a second time. Did you know that for every promise in the Bible that Jesus would come a first time, I am told there are eight promises in the Bible that he will come again, that he will come a second time. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament contain promises of the second coming of Christ. Here in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 2, Peter says that you may be mindful, that you may remember the words spoken long before by the holy prophets, words where they said that Jesus Christ was going to come back, that he would stand on the earth in his glory and majesty. Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels. Matthew 24, verse 30, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. John chapter 14, verse 3, one of my favorite verses, one of the favorite promises of Jesus where Jesus had told his disciples, if I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to you and receive you to myself. And then in John 14, verse 28, in the New Living Translation, it means the same in every translation, but a little clearer. Jesus said, remember what I told you, I am going away, but I will come back to you again. Here in this passage in Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, uh, Peter says, We, according to his, Jesus' promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, according to the promise of Jesus. And one final verse in Acts chapter 1, verse 11. The angels are around the disciples who are gawking Jesus had just been taken up before them into the clouds. The angel said, why are you standing gazing into into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Peter goes on in the passage to tell us that people will scoff and make fun of the promise that Jesus is coming back again. Verses 3 to 7, New Living Translation says, I want to remind you that in the last days there will be scoffers who will laugh at the truth and do every evil thing they desire. Their argument will be, Jesus promised to come back, did he? Well, then where is he? Why, as far back as anyone can remember, everything has remained exactly the same since the world was first created. 
And they're using what's known as the principle of uniformity there where nothing ever changes. It just goes on. The sun rises and sets. The seasons come and go. It's been going on for as long as anyone can remember. And so it'll continue going on forever. The sad thing is, as I've already referred, this attack is not only happening out in the world, but it's happening within the church as people who are and were respected Christian pastors and leaders are deciding that Jesus isn't coming back again, that that's not what the Scripture teaches. I have talked to mature Christians who, as they've been going through difficult times in these days, I've asked them and wanted to talk to them about the Lord's return, and and they said they didn't want to think about it, that they had heard too many times and too many date sets that were, were false, and they were done with it. If it happens, but so be it, they weren't interested. Peter goes on in verse 5, and he says, they willfully forget that one day... In the past, this whole world was destroyed by the Word of God in letting the waters from above and below go in and completely flood the earth. It had never rained before that flood. There was a canopy over the earth, and and it watered the earth. It had never rained until it rained that day. My wife says it never rained until it did. And they willfully forget, they deliberately forget, they ignore it, they block it from their minds, they do it purposefully. May I say, what a stupid thing to do. But Peter says in verse 10, the day of the Lord will come in spite of the ridicule and the mockery and the laughter and uh, willful forgetting it. The day of the Lord will come, and in verse 10 it says it will come when it comes as a thief in the night, and other passages tell us that when Jesus comes, it'll be in the twinkling of an eye, it'll be like when the lightning flashes from the east through to the west, it'll happen that fast. No wonder if all the problems that we are experiencing, all the things that are happening in our world that we've never seen before, if this could be the year. Could the next greatest event in the history of the whole world be about to happen? The second coming of Jesus Christ. How should that affect our lives as we step into 2022? Anticipating the Lord's return should make a difference in our lives in three ways, and I've got three words. They're not original to me, but the words, but... They're really good, and so I'm going to use them. Knowing the Lord could return this year should make a difference in our work. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? The heavens there don't refer to the heavens where Jesus has gone to to make a home for us. It refers to the heavens as in the starry expanse, the solar system. And it says the elements are going to melt with the fervent heat. And in that day, even a carbon tax is not going to stop it this time. And And the earth and all the works that are in it will follow suit and be burned up to make way for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. 
Have you ever seen anyone who has lost everything in a fire? It's horrible when everything they've worked their whole life for is gone. You know, we tend to think that the world is more enduring than its inhabitants. We tend to think that man is only here for a short time and that the world will last forever. But did you know that Peter said it's the opposite, that it's a dying world, it's a perishing world. Everything is going to one day be destroyed and the only thing that will be left are people. You, me, your children, your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. And if that is true, and it is, why would we spend all our time collecting and amassing more and bigger and better instead of working for that which will last and working for that which has eternal value. I had some things I was going to share to you about my experience of how I've been able to minister since I'm not a pastor, but our time is going. Well, knowing the Lord could return this year should make a difference in our, not only in our work, but in our walk. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 11, Peter carries on, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Verse 14 says, Be diligent to be found in him in peace, without spot and blameless, because the new heavens and the new earth are going to be a place where righteousness and only righteousness dwells. There are other verses that go on to say that. It's an interesting phrase here in Second Peter chapter um, 3, um, verse 11, where, where Peter says, um, <laughs> if I can find it now. In verse 11, where, where Peter says in the Greek, or where he says, what manner of persons ought you to be, it actually could be translated of what country are you from. So Peter says, since you're from heaven, since you're a citizen of heaven, how, what should your conduct be like? You see, it really doesn't matter what happens to our laws in Canada and what the government or society or, or the media or the majority figures is now right or wrong. What matters is what God says, and we are citizens of heaven. And all of these things that has become so commonplace in our society are not to be a part of God's kingdom, are, are not to be a part of the children of the kingdom. And so what kind of people ought we to be in our walk? And I'm just flying now because I'm out of time like normal. But the third point, knowing that the Lord could return this year should make a difference in our watching. These Christians were discouraged. They were going through trials and tribulations. Some of them were being put to death. And the doctrine of the second coming of Jesus Christ was being laughed at and scoffed at, willfully or deliberately ignored. And, and Peter comes to these Christians and he says in verse 12, look for and hasten the coming of the day of the Lord. Look for it. In verse 13, he says, we according to his promise, look for the new heavens and the new earth. And in verse 14, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things. 
The common greeting, the common Jewish greeting of the time when the early church was being formed was shalom. It means peace. And that's how they would greet one another, shalom. But the early church faced much persecution. There was no peace. The required, the Roman Empire, the Romans required everyone to call Caesar Lord. And if you didn't call Caesar Lord and bow your knee, you were looked at as a traitor. And you were persecuted and even put to death. And living under these conditions with these hardships, the Christians began to use a new word for greeting one another, and it was the word Maranatha. And that is an Aramaic word which means the Lord is coming or come, Lord Jesus. Every time they would meet, they would say Maranatha. I have another slide here, and then we're going to be done. This is a road, it's called the Road to the Sun. It's uh, Waterton National Park in southern Alberta. I've been down at my Barb and I before I was married a number of times. It's cut into the mountain, it goes up through Logan's Pass. It's so high, it a lot of times doesn't open until mid-July. But all the way along, you're driving along a cliff, a mountainside on one side and a cliff on the other. When Christians talk about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we use a word called imminent. Which means it could happen at any time. The cliff is there as we walk into 2022 and 2023 and however long it goes. We walk as though Jesus could come back at any time. And the thought of the Lord's return is always in our view, not in fear, but in hope and in joy and in courage, even in the most trying of times. Chris is just going to play a little bit, and we're just going to have a couple moments of silence. We're just going to allow the Lord to speak to us and say, Lord, what would you like to teach me this morning? What do you have for me to learn? As I walk into 2022, Maybe in what I'm living for, my work, in how I'm walking or in my watching. Let's just take a couple moments and pray.
In some ways, it's maybe been a, a downer of a sermon this morning. I'm going to conclude with one illustration. It's not a long one, but I heard it. March Hitchcock is a pastor in the States, and I've been listening to a number of messages on the second coming because the way I see it, the signs are pointing that Jesus could come. Now, I'm not a prophet, and I'm not prophesying he's coming in 2022, but the way I see it, there are things that the Bible says that are going to be happening that the doors are being opened for them to be able to happen with what's going on, not only with COVID, but just with what's going on in the world. And I've been thinking about the Lord's return and what that means. Mark shared a story, a college football game, Madison, Wisconsin, uh, October 1982. The Wisconsin Badgers were playing Arizona State, and Wisconsin Badgers were a horrible team. And Arizona State was a good team. And there were 60,000 people crowded into that university stadium of the Wisconsin Badgers to watch that game. And the score was just ridiculously lopsided. And the Badgers were getting just demolished in every area of the game. And yet every once in a while, there would be a loud shout of joy or a, a burst of applause from the Wisconsin fans. And it seemed like the more the score grew, further apart and their team was losing, the more they cheered and it's like, what was going on? Then it was discovered that at the same time that was going on, the state National Baseball League team, the Milwaukee Brewers, was playing in the third game of the World Series just down the road, 70 miles away. And uh, that Wisconsin, or the the Milwaukee Brewers were winning, beating the St. Louis Cardinals. And all sorts of people in the stadium watching, watching this game going on between Wisconsin Badgers and, and the Arizona State uh, football team had radios on and they were listening. And so there was a game going on in front of them, but there was a different game that they were watching and listening to and their team was winning. And so in the midst of the despair and the destruction that seemed to be going on in front of their eyes, they were cheering because they saw a different game. Their team was winning. You know, when I heard that illustration, I just laughed out loud because I had been in despair. And it gave me hope and it reminded me that this world that's not the game. I don't have to listen to the news. I don't have to listen to what people are saying. There's a game going on in heaven and I can read the scriptures and I can think about what Jesus promised and I can know that that game that Jesus Christ is winning. Someday the victory will be complete when Jesus Christ comes back and literally sets his feet on this earth and establishes a right, righteous rule and makes a new heaven and a new earth. Will you think about that as you go into 2022? And watch the right game, folks, because that's the game that really matters. The benediction for today is Revelation chapter 22, verses 20 through 21. 
He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The altar is always open. I'm sure there'll be people here to pray with you, or maybe you just want to come and pray. Maybe as we enter 2022, you want to come as a family, and you just want to commit yourselves as a family to God to this year. You are dismissed, but as you go, Maranatha, make sure you're watching the right game. God bless.